snow was falling as the carriage rumbled across the cobbled street, two large horses pulling it forward through the growing storm. A face, barely visible from outside, peered out, taking in the small shops with lights flickering in their dull windows. The wagon took a sharp left onto the thoroughfare, past children playing in the snow and pausing to watch the large carriage go past. Some of them gave chase, their hands outstretched, but the tall driver didn't stop. A right turn this time, the carriage pulling out onto Tower Bridge beneath them which people skated on the frozen River Thames. Above them swooped two Aracocra, clad in blue, Londinium watch keeping their eyes out for trouble through the snowstorm. The carriage passenger shook her head slightly. Trouble was brewing indeed. They hit another, grander street, with a great golden arch above it. The carriage journeyed on, picking up speed. The taverns, shops and assorted stores merged into one. As they rounded another corner, another Aracocra landed on the street next to a wizard in a purple fur coat. He was blowing fire from between his lips. That was until the lawman ushered him on to booze from a small crowd of children and shoppers that had surrounded them. On and on they went until finally the carriage drew to a halt outside a meagre-looking tavern. A sign swung in the wind adorned with the carving of a goblet with legs, dancing. They'd arrived at the galloping goblet. Stepping out of the carriage and drawing her dark green cloak up about her ears, the figure looked left and right before walking inside. Looking around, she saw a large, low-ceilinged room, the floor lined with sawdust and general dirt. An assortment of characters sat nursing drinks around tables of every shape and size. A band of gnomes played swing music in one corner, those nearest to them nodding their heads slightly out of time. Behind the bar, two elves took orders before loading drinks onto trays carried about the place at waist height by a few tired-looking goblins. Finally, the hooded figure found the table she was looking for and picked her way through the crowds who were chatting at a low din. Arriving at the table, she paused as three faces turned to look back at her. The first was a small boy with jet black hair swept to one side and a large burn across one cheek. He was dressed in a tattered black suit, similar to an undertaker's apprentice, but with bare, soot-blackened feet that swung under the chair. Across from him sat a tall figure in dark blue robes, beneath which she could see the telltale leather straps of dull steel armour. Most unusual, though, was the mask covering the person's face, crafted from a similar metal as the armour, but with ornate swirls carved into the surface. There were two slits, blackened at the edges, presumably to see through. Two more slits had been etched into the nose area, with a final larger one where the mouth must have been covered. A hood was pulled up, obscuring the back of the head. But this was not the most unusual member of the party. Between the boy and the masked humanoid, there was a large automaton, about 12 feet tall, towering above them all despite being sat down. It was humanoid to look at, broad shoulders of panelled black metal with a rust-coloured trim at the edges. Its head was made of many moving parts, allowing for its gold-coloured eyebrows to raise and lower, as well as a mouth to open and close. It twisted into a sort of smile as she sat down, looking into its bright, bulb-lit eyes. Um, gentle people... I come on behalf of the crown, and I... She began. Where is Spielstein? The robot had spoken, taking her by surprise. She steeled herself for a moment as the large, glowing eyes focused on her. Your payment, be it gold, she nodded to the masked one nearest to her, or information will be paid on successful 
execution of the task at hand. Now, I am here on... Pardon me, coming through. All right, coming through, I'm down here. A voice from behind the boy made her jump. A fifth stool was pulled out and onto it climbed a goblin, large bat ears moving in every direction she climbed up and sat down. She smiled a toothy grin showing dirty fangs to them all as she clasped her hands around a large tankard of strong smelling mead. She wore a small sleeveless jacket, a couple of rings on her strong fingers and a belt holding a variety of pouches around her middle. And I suppose I make four, do I? Well, sorry I'm late, there was a queue at the bar. The woman began again. I'm here on behalf of the crown. Evil is stirring everyone, and Her Majesty has called on you all to help the city with a matter of vital importance. She lowered her voice and leant in before continuing. Children have been disappearing across Londinium, including the young prince himself. He disappeared from the palace gardens during the storm last night. Other children have disappeared in similar circumstances across the city. We only have a smattering of reports talking about a, a large cloaked figure, nothing more. She finished and waited, looking around the table. So, who's in charge? They all turned to look except the child who piped up. Am I bait? He asked plainly. You are here because of your contacts, the woman said with a kind smile. The goblin looked from the boy to the automaton, and then at the masked figure beside her. Well, what have you come as? I'm Thrall, came the voice from behind the mask. I'm Log, said the boy. Sir Walter Grimpenmire Third. This was the robot who bowed his head to the goblin. And you? Jemima, I've heard of you. You're the iron golem of the East End, right? The bulb-lit eyes dimmed slightly before flicking to Thrall, apparently eyeing the armour. You are ready for a fight? Walter asked. I am, and I'd like to know exactly what we're expected to do to start with this, and why exactly I'm not working alone, Thrall asked the woman, who was already gathering her cloak around her. Each of you possess certain skills we believe are useful. Tracking, local knowledge, arcane experience... Specific forms of engagement? She nodded to Thrall, Jemima, Walter, and then Locke. Children have disappeared from Princip's finishing school, the Londinium Fog Orphanage to the south, and of course, Erdingheim Palace. We will know when the job is done. For now, I bid you adieu. There is a wagon outside, it will take you wherever you need to go, free of charge. And with that, she was gone. Her cloak fluttered behind her as she beat a hasty retreat out of the door. Well then, we all have our reasons for being here, said Walter, a soft whirring accompanying the turning of his head as he looked at them all in turn. I see no reason we cannot accomplish this task and be on our separate ways. They all exchanged looks for a moment. <clears throat> well, seeing as I'm local knowledge... I'll take the lead for now, just to see how we all do under proper leadership. If there are any queries, please direct them to me, and I'll see if they have any value. More looks were exchanged, and a small sigh came from under Thrall's mask. To the orphanage! Jemima cried, jumping off the table and making for the door. 
The rest slowly got to their feet and followed out onto the snow-covered street where the storm, at least for now, had abated. A wagon, complete with two large horses and a stern-looking driver, was waiting. Jemima was already up front with the driver, talking quickly and issuing orders about the quickest way to reach the orphanage. Locke, Thrall and Walter climbed in the back of the wagon. Walter drew some looks from passers-by as he climbed onto the back, the wood creaking underneath him. Soon enough they were rushing through the streets of Londinium, the snow peeing up again as they went. In the back of the wagon, Thrall had pulled out a crossbow, inspecting it slowly. "'How do you see in that?' asked Locke finally, peering up at Thrall's mask. "'I see fine. I'm more concerned with what you bring to the fight.' Locke shuffled in his seat. "'Mr. Knave said I'm not to show anyone till the time's right.' "'Wait, who's Mr.' began Thrall, but the cart had already skidded to a halt outside the Londinium Fog Orphanage. One by one they disembarked, staring up at the gaunt, ramshackle building in front of them. Windows were positioned at odd angles all the way, meaning they couldn't quite tell from the outside whether the building was four or five storeys tall. The orphanage stood in between two larger, far grander buildings, with a small plot of dead snow-covered earth to one side, presumably where children could play. A gust made them shiver as they approached. The door swung open, revealing a stout dwarven woman in a dirty apron. Walter and Locke stepped forward to introduce themselves, and if the woman who introduced herself as Esme was surprised, she didn't show it. Thrall and Jemima hung back, scanning the grounds of the orphanage as the snow began to fall softer until it had all but stopped. Inside, Locke and Walter had followed Esme into a small office with piles of parchment everywhere and a small desk in the centre. When did you last see the children? intoned Walter. Well, it would, would have been about three days ago. They're not bad kids, you understand, but it'd been a pretty difficult day. Tantrums coming up to Christmas. I mean, not surprising, really, said Esme. Tantrums? At Christmas? Children at Londinium Fog don't always get what they want. If anything, at Christmas, money is tight and we get overlooked because a lot of the children here have... Well, criminal backgrounds. Nothing too bad, but bad enough for no one else to care. Reputation like that. Some of the coins feel they're supposed to be bad. Anyway, three nights ago, a few of them were in the yard when the snow started. I looked out once and they were there. And then I looked again and they were gone. Walter and Locke exchanged looks. Meanwhile, outside, Thrall and Jemima were pacing the yard. It's a pretty open space. Anyone could see these kids if they were out here. What about from up there? Jemima turned her head and looked in the direction of Thrall's finger as it pointed to a low roof overlooking the yard. Thrall produced a small length of climbing rope, but Jemima placed a hand on his before stepping forward and beginning to climb the wall with unerring skill, as if magically sticking to it using only her hands and feet. Once she'd reached the top, she stooped down, and it didn't take long before her investigation yielded results. Hoofprints. Two of them. Larger than any she'd seen before. They were burnt into the edge of the roof facing out towards the orphanage yard. 
she ran one finger, tracing them before noticing that, despite the snow falling recently, no snow lay on these hoofprints. Jemima called all this down to Thrall, who nodded slowly. She descended the wall again as Locke and Walter exited the building, bidding Esme farewell. The four of them met in the yard and exchanged information before boarding the wagon and heading for the finishing school. Locke and Walter questioned a terrified child while Thrall and Jemima searched for clues. A young girl had locked another girl outside as revenge for bullying and had watched as her nemesis had wandered through the heavy snow in the school playground before vanishing. Meanwhile, Thrall and Jemima had found more burnt, blackened hoofprints on the roof of the school. The whole investigation took no more than an hour, and soon they were sitting in the back of the wagon. This time, Thrall smoked a long pipe, the thin end stuck into the small mouth slit in his mask. Someone or something is stealing children. This was Walter. Why? shivered Locke. The snow had begun to fall again as the wagon pulled through the streets of Londinium. Nothing links them. The attacks, they appear random, said Thrall between puffs on the pipe. I don't know, but it's got the prince as well, remember? An hour or so passed until the tall white marble form of the Erdingheim Palace loomed into view. Their driver yanked on the reins, and the horses slowed as a tall woman in an even taller hat greeted them. Inside, hallway after hallway, staircase after stairwell, and only a distraction when Walter turned his head too quickly and sent a chandelier crashing across a room. Erdingheim Palace was certainly the nicest, if the most boring place they'd visited so far. It was far too quiet, as if you were only ever permitted to speak in whispers. Finally, they were led to a large room with thick green carpet and large glass doors overlooking a snow-covered grounds that disappeared into the gloom of the December evening. In one corner was a large unmade bed. A burnt-down candle sat on top of the chest of drawers next to it. Wooden toys were scattered across the floor, leading their eyes to a large Christmas tree with a single present underneath. A half-elf woman with short blonde hair stepped forward to greet them. Hello, I'm Cassandra. I am, I was Prince Luco's nanny, she said. What happened here? It was last night. The Queen had just cancelled Prince Luco's birthday parade because of the disappearances. He wasn't happy and stormed into his room and... Throwing a tantrum? asked Locke, wide-eyed. Yes, he, he even kicked me. He was so upset. I tried to calm him down, but then he pushed open the door and shouting about having his own parade. I tried to go after him, but... The snow? Locke corrected, showing a knowing look to the others. Yes. How did you know? asked the nanny. Sounds like the rest. Misbehaving children, snowstorms. And this is bad. Dreadful, really. I mean, now we know that this thing has taken the prince. This was Jemima. She'd taken it upon herself to start investigating the room and was currently opening drawers in the prince's dressing table. Um, excuse me, what are you doing? asked the nanny. Searching for clues. You 
See, I'm something of a maverick around these parts and I... She shoved her hand deep into the bottom drawer, banging around until... <gasps> Secret panel! She pulled the drawer out, spilling the contents onto the floor. The five of them gathered round and held their breath. Parchment upon parchment was scrawled on in thick red crayon, always the same drawing. A red hooded figure, horns atop its head with long clawed fingers on each hand. Its feet protruded from under the cloak. Oh my, said Walter, leaning down and rummaging through the papers. In his large metal fingers, he picked up a crudely carved wooden model of the same creature from the drawings, showing it to the rest. Demon? asked Thrall, looking around the room finally. Wait, what's that? They all turned to look at a finely wrapped present under the tree. Locke approached and looked at the parchment tag. Says he's from Chris Kringle at the Winter Lodge? Oh yes, Mr Kringle leaves one present for the prince every year. I think we should pay Chris Kringle a visit. Yes, let's interrogate Father Christmas. To the Winter Lodge! The five of them shared a knowing look. And just like that, they were off. <laughs>